Our text is found in Psalm chapter 50, verses 10 to 12. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you. I heard the word restoration a lot, um, and the title of my sermon this morning is The Heart of Restoration. And it's just going to be really quick. Um, We normally get out of here around noon, so I'm just going to ask you to give me about 10 more minutes, then we're going to close with a song. But I just wanted to, to sort of wrap up what we've heard this morning and these testimonies about God's power and his salvation and what it means for us. Every single person in this room needs restoration. All of us need what they described. We all have different stories, and we all need it in different ways. But we all need it. I, th- I love this passage. Um, I don't know, it just sort of makes me half smirk a little. <laughs> if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> I like that. It's sort of like we're seeing a little bit of God's sense of humor here. It's, it's almost like he's saying, like, I don't get hungry to begin with, but if I do, I wouldn't need you to get food, and I wouldn't ask your permission to get it. Because everything in this world is mine. I, I believe a lo- oftentimes we hear this verse in the context of, like, you know, God is the God of the cattle on, on a thousand hills. So oftentimes when I hear this verse, it's often talked about in the context of, like, if you're running out of money, don't worry, because he owns all the cows. Right? Have, have you heard this before? It's almost always quoted sort of like in that setting. But I really believe that this, this passage of Scripture is introducing to us what is the heart of rest, the restoration that we need. Um, even though God might sound a little snarky in this verse, I hope that he is being a little snarky. Um, it's a message of recovery and restoration. It's a message of how we can be restored to sanity. You know, the dictionary definition of restoration, I don't know if we we have it um, for our screens here. Um, No, we're out. It's okay. We've had some technical difficulties this morning, so so I apologize um, if our TVs are a little troubled. But why don't you just um, pay attention to this dictionary. Sometimes one of the best things to do is just grab a dictionary. It can be so helpful. But the word restoration in the dictionary means this. The action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. Restoration is the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. And friends, all of us need restoration. All of us need to be returned to our owner. We've been robbed, and we need to be restored. In our text, um, I think I, I, I noticed three principles of restoration, and that's what I want to talk with you about really quickly. Okay? The first principle is this. God is the personal author of all creation. God is the personal author, owner, authority, architect of everything that you see and don't see. Psalm chapter 24, beautiful psalm, says this. The earth is the Lord's. And all that is in it, the compass of the world, and everyone that dwells therein, because he has founded it upon the seas 
and prepared it upon the floods. Everything in the earth is God's. And friends, principle one, number one for you to be returned to your owner is to first recognize that you are his. You are not yours. The chair you're sitting in is not yours. You see, everything in this earth belongs to God. And that's what we read in Psalm chapter 50. Every animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, those are mine too. I know every bird in the mountains and all of the insects in the field. Oh, and by the way, they're mine too. All of them are mine. They're not yours. How important do you think it is to know that God created you, he owns you, and that he is Lord over you and is intimately involved with your life? It has tremendous implications, friends. Oh, we might not like the sound of like something owns us, that there's a Lord over us. I don't like that. I want to be my own Lord. But how's that going for you? Is it going well? Probably not. It has tremendous implications that the Lord owns us. If the Lord doesn't own you, something else will. Something else will will take possession of you. And you'll think that that's the most important thing in your life. Your gender, you might think, is your Lord. That's my operating principle. Figuring out, am I a male or am I a female? And what does that even mean? You see, that's why I'm all messed up. That's why I'm broken. Because all this time, I thought I was a guy when I was really a girl. And we think our gender is the most important thing about us. But friends, your gender is the Lord's. Your sexuality is the Lord's. Your sexuality doesn't own you. The Lord owns your sexuality. You see the, the important implications here? Your, 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 your purpose in life is not to experience the joy of sex, the pleasure of sex. You see, friends, if you don't have the Lord as your Lord, something else will be. It will take its place. There was this wonderful old pastor from England in the 1800s, maybe even the 1700s, I forget. He said this, though. His name's Abraham Kuyper. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human experience over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. It's all his. All of it. And this, oh, is profound. It means that your sexuality is not you, your sexual preference is not you. Your relationships aren't, aren't you. And oh, and by the way, your tragedies aren't you either. The, the, the horrific events that have happened to you in your life are not your Lord. They're not your creator, and they don't get to decide who you are. The Lord does. You see the great news in this? It means we're free. I'm not saying that these things don't matter. I'm not saying that they're not important. And I'm not saying that some of these things don't hurt us. They should. But they don't rule anything. They don't rule you. None of it does. Your mom's opinion doesn't rule you. She is not the Lord. See, friends, the earth is the Lord's, and all that therein is, the compass of the world and everyone that dwells in it is the Lord's. You see, in the first step to life, is to recognizing that he is Lord. 
Restoration doesn't begin until we, we surrender everything that we thought wasn't his, that we thought was ours or someone else's, and we give it back to him. Because God is the personal author and owner of all things. What do you think you own? Would you give it to God this morning? Would you let him touch it and transform it? Number two, second principle of, tra- of restoration. Brokenness is the product or it, um, brokenness is the product of disconnection. Number two, brokenness is the product. You all know that you're broken, right? How many people can give me an amen to that? You all know that you're broken. You all know that we live in a broken world, right? Come on, man, just look at the elections happening right now. We live in a broken world. New diseases invent themselves, Right? I was online just the other day. I have a pastor friend like me, started a new church like this somewhere else. He said, hey, don't forget you turn, turn your top. <laughs> he said, don't forget to turn your clocks ahead tomorrow and wash your hands before coming to church. Yeah. Right? We live in a broken world. And friends, I'm making light of some of these things, but we all know that some of the ways that we're broken are not laughing matters. And I don't got to be a Christian. I got to be Hindu or Buddhist to convince you to know that something's wrong. But I do have to be a Christian to let you know that the thing that's wrong with, with all of us is that we think we own what God owns. And when we take his place, when we take ownership, when we decide, I get to decide who I am and what I'm going to do and who I'm going to be, what happens is we are disconnected from his love and we compound the brokenness that already exists. And you say, oh, I don't believe that. Okay, well, isn't it true, though? You might not... Say it like the way I'm going to suggest to you, friends, this morning, that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, that goes away. I'm not saying it becomes easy. I'm not saying that, that there aren't challenges. But you have this fundamental understanding that everything that you thought you ran, you don't ran, run. And the good and kind benevolence of our God is directing you and leading you to who you are and what he wants from you, what is best for you. And it's a great word. We think, oh, God is just trying to get me to live a boring life and not do fun things. On the contrary, it's just the opposite. God wants you to really live. You see, the text tells us the Lord knows every bird in the mountains and every insect. Disconnection from our author, who is in this passage the God of creation, creates a dysfunction in our lives. So I don't mean a disconnection from personal desire or disconnection from clarity about what you want to be in life or even who you are, your identity. I mean a disconnection from God, your maker, the one that owns you and loves you and made you. See, the text says that the Lord knows every bird And he knows the insects. And this is very important because it can seem kind of impersonal. But if you know what the the biblical biblical word know means, it's very intimate. It might not be clear from the, the passage, but what it's talking about is a sort of like loving dance that the birds and the insects have with God. You see, he knows them. Not just I know about them, but I care for them. They don't try to not be a bee or not be a bird. They don't like the fact that they collect honey. Right? That's not fair. Why do ants get to make anthills and I have to collect honey? 
You see, they're sort of this, they accept their creaturely purpose. And they have this sort of dance with God. God knows them and they know him back. But sin, friends, refuses the Lord to be Lord. It, it rejects him as this and, des- and, and decides that something else is what I need. It's my maker. It's who I am. It's my origin. So we disconnect from the dance of God, and it never goes well, right? How many good dancers we got in the room? You see, metaphorically, spiritually, we are all... <laughs> Mark, no, you're not. <laughs> we are all spiritually terrible dancers. We step on each other's feet. Isn't that life, right? We're clumsy, we're out of beat, we're out of time. But Jesus said this, if you want life, know me. This is eternal life, he said as he prayed, that you know me, that you know me. You know what it didn't say? That you know your sexual preference, or that you know your gender, or that you know your political persuasion. Again, I'm not trying to gloss over those things as if they don't matter, but what I'm suggesting to you is that none of those things are your life. Jesus is your life. He's your life. Oh, that they would know me so that they would have life. Come to him, get life, and figure those things out later. Okay? As the Lord knows the birds and the bugs, but better than this, he knows us as children, as sons and daughters. He puts crowns on our head. When we thought our heads were, wouldn't, weren't good for anything but dirt. You see, he desires to know you and love you. Restoration, friends, is a transformation of life. To reconnect you with who you have been di- disconnected from and to heal your brokenness. It's a falling back into the only arms that are safe, the arms of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? There are two ways to stay broken. Two ways. To continue in the pain of something that happened to you that wasn't your fault but we continue in it, right? We remain broken when we continue in the tragedies of our life. Or we continue in, so, in the guilt of something that we've done wrong, right? In other words, we sin against or we are sinned against. Does that make sense? Both happen to us and both break us. But friends, neither of these things own us. Who does the earth belong to? The Lord. How many things in the earth belong to the Lord? Everything. That means that your mistakes don't own you. And that means that the tragedies of your life don't own you. They don't get to decide who you are. The Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, gets to decide that. Isn't that great news? You are free, friend. You are free. And everyone needs this. Everyone needs this message of life because Jesus Christ is the creator of everything living, visible and invisible. We were separate from him, broken and disconnected. And because of that, we incurred the angry wrath of God. But because of his great love for us, he came down in the greatest rescue mission, decided to die for us in our place so that he could restore us to sanity. So that we would know whose we belong to, who we belong to. Your mistakes don't own you. And the sins that people have committed against you don't either. Amen? So number three, restoration is a returning trust. Restoration is a returning trust. And we'll close with this, okay? The action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. When I was about 13 years old, I was a little punk, okay? And 
Auntie Joanne is here right now. She could tell you all about it. Um, she's known me since I was a little guy. I was a little punk, and I was about 13 or 14 years old. There was this new English teacher that came to my school. So it was like the first week of school, and we thought she was a little weird. So we're sitting around this table, and I'm making fun of her behind her back. Right? No, not you, Kyle. Yeah. Me. Sorry. Right? So I'm making fun of her behind her back and making all my stupid friends laugh. Right? And then all of a sudden, there's this new kid that's kind of sitting with us in our group. Right? He's not laughing. So I'm making him, I'm saying things, and I'm teasing her. And all of a sudden, he says three words that just shut me up immediately. He said, that's my mom. <laughs> oh, I know that. I just tried to come up. I was just kidding, you know, like, but it just shut me up, right? That's my mom, he said. Insert foot here. <laughs> that was his mom. His mom. Not my mom, not your mom, his mom. There was an ownership there, right? And because it was his mom, he was going to, well, maybe not all kids do this, but this, this young man did. He would love her, and he would defend her, and he would protect her, and he would provide for her. Friends, restoration is a returning trust. When God owns you, we can trust that ownership because he's good. We can trust that it's safe, that he loves us. So, friends, restoration in the Bible isn't just recovering from some trauma or finding joy or after some trial in our life or developing our own skills and discovering who we are. It's a part of it, but it's, it's so much deeper than that. It's being given back to a Lord that you can trust. Seeing him as the beginning and the ending of all things, including your life. He's your beginning and he's your ending. You see, we say something like that we've been under another rule, but we want to be under your rule now. I don't fix me. I don't save me. You do. You even own salvation. I can't even save myself. The earth is the Lord and everything's in it. That means that if there's a way to get saved, it means he does it for us. He saves you. And that's the message of grace in the gospel. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works of righteousness, lest anyone can boast. For he created you for good works, and you are his workmanship. Isn't that great news? He's a better dad. He's a better mom. He's a better friend. He is your beginning and your ending. He is over your mistakes and tragedies. Those things didn't make you. They don't define you. They're not your first love. Psalm 24 asks, who will ascend into the the hill of the Lord. You know what that means? It's very poetic, but it means to be in his loving, safe presence. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who can have the life you've been after your whole, your, the whole time? Well, you need to first be returned to the one that owns you. Right? Jesus tells us how. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You want life? You want restoration? Go through Christ and get it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please pray with me. God, there's this, this principle that we learn in Scripture that nothing in our lives, nothing that we see around us was not created by you. That you are intimately involved in upholding, upholding all existence 
everything that we see this moment, the same things that we see, that we're, that we're looking at, are things that you made, that you hold together, that we were made by and through Jesus. And we were made for one supreme reason, to belong to Christ. God, Jesus is the origin and the destiny of every object that we've ever seen, whether that destiny is good or bad. Every person that we've ever encountered. God, without your sustaining us this very instant, the objects we see in front of us would cease to exist before we would even finish this sentence. God, you are the past, the present, and the future of everything and everyone that will ever touch, see, hear, smell, or taste. And God, your plan for everything, for this whole universe, is to bring it all under Christ's rule. Oh, so God, when we feel our hearts wanting to restrict your authority, your ownership, it's this truth, I think, that more than anything is so helpful. Why would we want to miss out on the greatest story ever told? Your restoration. God, give our town. God, I pray, Lord, that you would take it back. It's yours. Take families back, children back, sons, daughters back. Take them back. They're yours. And friends, maybe you need to go back. Maybe you need to cry out to Jesus right now. I thought I was mine. I thought there was something about me that was more important than the fact that you love me and made me and want relationship with me. So I cry out to you right now with the pastor. God, save me. God, help me to see myself in your eyes before anything else. I believe that Jesus died for me to bring me back to you, to die for my sin in my place. Oh, Lord, rescue me. God, we just ask you now, Lord, as we close our service, that you would bless us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So our